there, listeners. This is Pookie Stew, and this is podcast number two. I'm coming live straight to you. Snicker, snicker. Anyway, today I'm going to be talking about humility, hence the reason for my little startup joke. Humility is a concept that a lot of Christians, they um, have one idea based on what the standard uh, textbook definition of humility would be. But I believe that it goes a lot deeper than just a surface understanding. And so I wanted to discuss that and talk about a few things uh, that God has shown me in relation to humility. One one beautiful aspect is that it has the potential to completely erase shame. You know, all of us um, believers and unbelievers have wrestled with shame. Shame is a result of the fall. Um, it came, it entered into mankind with sin, and it's been a blemish. And the scripture says that those that look to Christ, their faces will never be covered with shame. So this is a great ministry of our high priest that he comes to us in our uh, devastation and he removes our shame and he lifts our head. Yeshua is called the lifter of uh, the lifter of the broken and the one that uh, helps those who are bowed down. So humility plays a key role, I believe, in helping us to overcome that that shame. Um, in life, you know, there's two kinds of shame. There's legitimate shame, and then there's false shame. And, of course, we're all going to feel shame when we act out in a shameful way, or we stimulate the flesh, which leads to corruption. And so that's uh, something that we all experienced at one time, mostly prior to our salvation experience. Uh, we dealt with tremendous shame, and it was a catalyst for us, to, helping us to know our need for the Savior and to reach out for the great salvation that Yeshua offers. Um, but I find that after being saved, uh, Satan, our great enemy, continues to use this as a weapon against God's people. He continues to try to bring shame in order that we might return to our old ways of thinking and doing. And so we have to resist it. And of course, uh, being in Christ, being in Yeshua means that the blood of Yeshua has purged our sin, restored us into covenant with the Father, promised us eternal life in heaven, and he said, everything that I have now is yours. So we have a great inheritance, a beautiful inheritance that we have yet to see. It says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard the wonderful things that God has prepared for those that love him. And so, of course, now that we're in Yeshua, covered in the blood, our sins are forgiven and removed. We've been made clean. We've been made white. We've been given new hearts. We're going through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, which is to renew our mind so that we no longer think or act in the old ways um, of living and, and doing. So the enemy comes in with shame as a tool to try to keep us in bondage and keep us from experiencing the complete freedom that we've been given in Christ. And I find that now being on the opposite side of the cross in Yeshua, all of the shame that we experience is illegitimate. So prior to being born again, our shame was legitimate shame. And now that we are in Christ, and he has, it says that his sacrifice was once once for all, for all time, for all sin. We've been permanently and completely forgiven. 
then we should not be experiencing legitimate shame, but we should be experiencing joy, peace, and love in the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, that's not always our experience. And this is where the fight of faith comes in. We must put our best foot forward to wholeheartedly believe everything that Yeshua has said to us. And so humility today is a is going to be the topic of conversation. I think that humility is a key understanding. It's a fundamental principle of the kingdom of God. And it's the heart attitude of the believer. And it's reality. You know, Yeshua said that he came to show us the way, the truth and the life. And in the truth, there is a reality. So our society, the societies that we live in, in the mo- especially in this modern age, they do not seem to want to acknowledge truth. They want to acknowledge opinion and popular fact. <laughs> but Yeshua said that he embodied truth itself. So therefore, truth is lasting and permanent because Yeshua is lasting and permanent. He is a being, not a concept. Jesus is not an idea. He is not a concept. He's not a figment of imagination. He's a being who has existed from before time and it will exist for all eternity. He's God. And so when we look at Yeshua and we look at his statement, I am the truth, we must acknowledge that truth is absolute. It is absolutely true that Yeshua exists and absolutely true that he will exist forever. So, Humility. Humility is this concept of embracing reality. And it's an attitude of the heart that is produced by the Holy Spirit when we see the truth of who we are. So pride, as the scripture refers to, puffs up, it lifts up, it causes our heads to become large. And not in the literal sense, but, you know, in this, in the emotional sense. And sin, Multiple forms of sins referred to as the pride of life. So there is this idea that becomes inbred within us from the time that we're born that we can function apart from God, that we can experience life and have reality apart from God. But the scripture says in Colossians that in Christ, all things consist and have their being and nothing has been made that he did not make. And nothing exists apart from his continuous will. So that means the sun came up today because the Lord decided it would. And it goes to bed tonight because he decides that it is going to bed. And the world continues to function in Christ even as it denies his existence. He continues out of his gracious, long-suffering, kind, and merciful heart to allow us to breathe and to have existence. So, humility is the understanding that our life is hidden with Christ and God, and that our existence and reality comes from Him, and that apart from Him, we can do nothing. So, it's not, it's not like the textbook definition of someone who thinks lowly of themselves, because the person that thinks lowly of themselves actually still thinks of themselves. Humility is the spiritual awakening understanding that apart from God we are nothing we have no strength of our own power ability to exist on our own we have no life outside of Yeshua outside of Christ 
and we have no eternal life outside of his will. So everything that exists is something that he willed into being. And if it continues to exist, it's because he continues to will it into being. And because of that, he deserves all of the honor and all of the praise. And he deserves the, the utmost place of importance in our life. So you, so I was thinking about the ways that humility ties into pride, but also ties into shame. So one of Satan's greatest tactical maneuvers, his most profound lie, is to try to convince mankind that we don't need God. That God can be subtracted from the equation of life, and we're still left with life. But if Yeshua himself said that he was the life, and we take him out, then how is it possible that we live? It's not. And this is why the scripture says that the enemy comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. Because he knows that if God is subtracted, everything dies. So in our life, in our daily life, we are given a free will with the ability to make choices. And that free will comes from the Father. He gave it to us in creation, and the choices that we're able to make come from the Father. He provides us with the choice. So everything that we have, <laughs> everything that we have in ourself, and everything that we have around us comes from God. And the scripture says that every good and perfect gift comes down um, from the Father of, of uh, heavenly lights. So there is this concept that our life exists in God and that we exist for God and through God. Humility is simply the heart understanding that. It's the heart knowing its place and not trying to puff up and become more than it was created to be. And it is challenging because in our sinful nature, in the flesh, there is deception. There is. This is why we reap death when we act out on the flesh. So humanity always thinks, I don't need anyone. I don't need God. I don't need anyone. I can get by on my own. Then when they're faced with their death, they completely flip out. Because they realize that this whole time, all they've been doing is using their free will to make choices. And now they're running out of choices. And they're faced with their humanity. They cry out, well, maybe there's a God. And since all of us are born into this life knowing that this life is temporary and coming to an end, deep down, past our subconscious even, in our spirit, we know we need God. We know there is a God and we know we need Him. And so, out of that place of humility, it comes salvation. When we cry out and we say, I need you. I need you because you're the source of life and I'm running out of life. So, humility is a beautiful attitude of the heart. It says, I need God. It says, I trust God. It says, I rely and look to God to be the source of my life. And that attitude will lead you straight to salvation. And it comes from the Holy Spirit. Um, so, speaking about um, shame again and how it relates to all of this. Satan is our great foe. He is our enemy from the beginning. And Yeshua said he's been a murderer since the beginning. So he understands humanity's plight and situation. 
And in his desire to cause death and destruction, he would love to be able to convince us that we do not need God. But since he's unable to do that, then he tries to just have us rely on ourselves for as long as we can to make as many choices on our own as possible. And one of the tools he uses to cause this to happen and to buy into his world system of lies is shame. Shame is the false accusation that we were created defective and that we need to take something from the world out of from him and add that to ourselves so that we become what God created us to be. And of course, this is a great lie. When God created Adam and Eve initially in the garden, he said everything he made was good. And Adam was created in the image of God, perfect, without sin. And he was called the son of God, Adam, and a king and a priest over the earth. He, died, he was to have dominion and to rule over the things that God had made. And to be fruitful and to multiply. And have further dominion and charge. Well, he fell because he believed the lie that he was missing something. You know, Satan came to Adam in his perfection and he accused him of not being like God. He said, you lack. And if you eat this fruit of the tree of knowledge and evil, then you will be like God. And you should be ashamed of yourself now that you're not like God. And so when Adam believed the lie that he was not perfect and he reached out his hand to take and to add to himself that which he really had no need of he lost his perfection and fell and at that moment deserved a legitimate shame so he went from illegitimate sense of shame to to legitimate shame and this is what we've done so we are born in sin now Thanks to Adam. We're born legitimately ashamed. And once we're saved and Yeshua's come and cleansed us and made us whole and made us right before God. He said, um, all you need, everything that pertains to life and godliness, I've given you in Christ. So he's imparted once again his divine nature into us. Through the being born again, recreated in our inner being. We are made back into the perfection that we had lost in Christ. We're no longer sinners. We become saints. Now, even so, being still in a mortal body, we've, we have the sinful nature housed in our flesh. So before we're saved, you know, we only have the sinful nature. Now that we're saved, we have the God nature and the sinful nature. And at the resurrection, when our bodies are transformed into new life, we only have the God nature. We've been returned to the Adam and Eve that we were initially created to be. But right now, yes, there is a duplicity in every Christian. What I like to call the uh, hypocrite factor. And yes, it is a legitimate factor. Because we have competing natures. But the real nature is the everlasting nature. And the sinful nature is the temporary one. And so we don't sow to that. We don't put on the old man like the scripture says. We let that old us die. And we choose to focus 
acknowledge, give honor to, put time, energy, and effort into our new nature. Because when we sow to the new man, we will experience the new life that's hidden in us in Christ. And we'll rise above that old nature and we won't give in to its lust. It's absolutely freedom in Christ. But it is it is our choice and that is the sanctifying work of the Spirit of God. And it is a daily choice. And some of us are further along in the fight of faith than others. But we're all winners. Christ has, has won us the victory. Hallelujah forever. But going back to the garden and going back to the shame and going back to humility... It was pride to think that we could reach out and add to ourselves what was lacking. And it's based in that underlying sense of inadequacy and defectiveness. So how does that impact us today? How are Christians still falling for the original lie of the garden and reaching out for the fruit? Well, it goes something a little bit like this. Yeshua says, you're created, you're recreated, born again in me, perfect. You lack nothing. You're my beautiful bride without a spot or a blemish. All things that pertain to life and godliness, I've given to you. You're clothed in my very own righteousness. Your feet are shod with the gospel of peace. The belt of truth is around your waist. You wear a helmet of salvation. You are glorious in my glory, surrounded in my presence. Brought near to me, in covenant, forever, mine. Betrothed to me, my bride, for eternity. And we say, yes, but... (laughs) There is something horribly wrong with me. (laughs) This This is how this plays out today. We downplay what the Father has done, and we upplay what's going on in the sinful nature housed in our flesh. We put more importance on what the enemy is trying to do in our old man than we put in what the Father has done in our spirit. And it's easy to do that. It's easy in a society that is fueled by sin and completely obsessed with it and overcome by it and dominated by it so that their every waking moment is the flesh. It's easy to start feeling inadequate. You can't even turn on um, a YouTube video without getting an Herbal Essence commercial that tells you that your hair is not shiny enough, it's not curly enough or straight enough or brown enough or whatever. And if you had this perfect hair, then you would have this perfect life. <laughs> And there wouldn't be anything wrong with you. And of course it's marketing. It's designed to make us go out and spend money on a product that we don't need. So to create this illusion of the need, they got to run us down. But the father doesn't look at our hair and say, you know, your hair is not shiny enough. (laughs) Jesus looks at us as his precious babies who he adores, who he sees as perfect. He said, the hair on your head is the hair I created. It looks just like I wanted it to. But somehow we just do not accept what he says about us. And it goes far beyond appearance. It goes to the core of our being. Shame is the ugly voice in our head that says to Christians, 
something is wrong with you. Now, there is legitimate shame. This is why I reiterate, if you're not saved, if you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, then it says that you're cut off and helpless. It says you're barren and destitute in your filthiness, and you need to cry out to God, save me, transform me, I'm crap. And that is a legitimate shame. That is actually the light bulb coming off saying, you know, I'm not right. I need help. But if you're born again, if you've received Yeshua, if you've been saved and cleansed and changed, and you're still feeling like, you know, you're just messed up, defective, inadequate, something is wrong, then you're believing lies. So the cure for legitimate shame is the cross. But the cure for illegitimate shame is the truth. And so that's more what we're focused on. And humility is simply seeing things clearly. So if you're not saved and you look at your life and you realize it's a horrible mess, that's humility. But if you're a believer in Yeshua, and you look at your life and you think it's a horrible mess, that's pride. Humility for a believer is seeing the reality. And that's not our reality anymore when we're in Christ. So it's not okay for a true believer, a Christian, to go around obsessed with what's going on in their sinful nature. That's not okay. What we're to do is to appropriate the word. We're to believe what Yeshua says. We're to fight the fight of faith. We are to confess over ourselves what Yeshua says about us. So, as a believer, the Holy Spirit will bring conviction. Of course, He'll bring conviction. When we're acting out in the flesh, you know, when we're angry or bitter, unforgiving, or struggling with any particular number of sin that could come up from our flesh after being born again, and we're brought to the understanding of it, like we're made aware of it, the appropriate response is, oh, ooh, I don't want to be in that. That's not me anymore. Father, forgive me. Forgive me for sowing the wrong seed and believing the wrong thing and doing and acting out. And remind me again who am I in Christ? Remind me again that that's not the real me. And help me to stand in your truth and walk in it. And that's where the fight of faith comes in. Um, so humility is the heart attitude that's able to embrace the truth. That's really all humility is, is the ability to accept reality and see reality. So it's believing the truth about God and the truth about yourself. Regard, regardless of what season or stage of life that you are in the process. So if you're battling today with illegitimate shame, I just want to pray for you and believe God with you that the truth that makes you free will come to you so that he can erase the lies of the enemy, the bondages of the enemy, and all of your earthly or worldly striving can stop. And you can rest and have the Shabbat, the Shabbat whole peace of God, the Shalom of God, to know that you're in Christ, you have everything that you need. 
So, Father, I pray for the people that were listening to the message. Um, I know that it's rambly. These are just the wanderings of the heart that you have given to me today. But I pray that you'll speak some element of truth that they could grasp onto and be changed by. And I pray that your truth will come forward to all of us. The reality of such a great salvation. Your salvation is not a weak salvation. You said that you're able to save to the uttermost. So the salvation that you have given to us is a powerful salvation. It is a lasting and permanent and powerful overcoming salvation in Christ. And I pray that it will be made known to our hearts and minds more and more every day. That we will believe good things about ourselves in Christ. That we will believe the truth about ourselves in Christ. And be able to see our new identity in you. And walk it out with the humility that comes from knowing and embracing truth. We love you in Jesus name. Amen.